when even Crycheck is questioning your judgment, maybe you should reconsider why you're in Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> X-Files Talk X-Files, the only podcast with a frankly creepy chicken wire fetish. <laughs> I'm your host, David Howard, and joining me this week from X-FilesNews.com, I have Kava Anderson and Holly Simon. How are you both? Hi, Pretty good. <laughs> Thank you both for joining me once again. So today we are going to be discussing Tunguska and Terma, the season four two-parter, both episodes Written by Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz, Tunguska was directed by Kim Manners, and Terma was directed by Rob Bowman. And this is the chapter in the mythology of the show where we learn that Russia is very involved in the global conspiracy. They're actually competing against the US for their own vaccination against the black oil, which makes a return here in a worm sort of form, which obviously wasn't possible last year because of budget and special effects constraints. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite storylines from the whole show, and it's clear that they're setting up pieces again, looking to the movie, and they're really kicking the mythology up into high gear here. So, uh, Kafer, what do you think of these two episodes? It was funny. Um, I, there are a lot of things in those episodes that stand out to me, like the you know infamous hug at the end of, of Terma, um, and and of course Scully's kick-ass attitude in front of Congress. Um, but it'd been a while since I'd seen them, and I, I went back and just you know revisited them um, to make sure I knew what I was talking about. And um, because sometimes I tend to get the t um, these two confused with uh, the like the Piper Maru storyline, because that also deals with with the black oil and um, yeah, I guess was just really um, enjoying how much, I guess in a way that I didn't remember um, from past viewings and watching how the, the story kind of weaved together. And it's like, oh yeah, that's how this fits in and that's fit, that fits in. Um, and it's uh, just two really, really solid mythology episodes and the, the black oil is just creepy as all hell. <laughs> okay, yeah, so a couple of episodes ago we were talking about Talitha Kumi and her Envolk and how not a whole lot of stuff really happens in those episodes. There's just a lot of exposition, a lot of information is given to us. And in these two episodes there is a lot of stuff that happens. You know, even it's several scenes before we even see Mulder and Scully because there's so much setup going on. And then when we do see them, Krychek comes back. Uh, then we have Skinner introduced, CSM is introduced uh, very rapidly. And of course, Well Manicured Man plays a, a pivotal role in these episodes as well. Uh, Holly, what are your thoughts on the, the two parter overall, first of all? Uh, well, first off, I have to say, for me, like, if there's one single moment in the entire show that, like, is the X Files for me is the hug scene in Terma. Like that's my okay. absolute like one moment favorite moment of all time. <laughs> B both of you have mentioned that hug now. I watched the two yes. episodes last night and I don't remember the hugs. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, um, like 
seriously, like, I <laughs> named my dog Dakota because, well, it's Termod with North Dakota. <laughs> I mean, I could I could recite every one of Krychek's lines from that scene when they've got him sitting on the barrel, but I do not remember a hug. <laughs> so, so what we're saying, this is maybe a battle of the shippers versus the Noromo in this, <laughs> in this one. Isn't it always? <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Okay, so so tell me about the hug. Let's get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's not. It's not even the hug so much. Um, it's actually the the scene leading up to it. Like when she's talking and he challenges her, and Mulder in the background says, "What is the question?" I don't know. There's just something that Rob Bowman nailed about that scene. That's just it's powerful. I may have been distracted by the boom boom. And then the hug after was just like the reward. <laughs> as the as the line goes, it's good to put my arms around you, both of them. Okay, I do remember that line. Yes. Yeah. Well, he was hugging her while he was saying it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And that I think sort of wraps up. I mean, just the whole. Um, if, if you do want to veer off for a second, the the spirit of the episodes in a way, because as as Skinner questions Scully at at, at one point, um, where she's talking about um you know her own judgment is telling her to not to take this course of action that she should go ahead and and just you know reveal Mulder but she's saying um she's talking about how she just you know feels like she can't trust her own judgment and Skinner's like so you're gonna trust Mulder's and she just kind of and this is while she's sitting in the jail cell and just sort of looks resignedly at him and she's like yeah you know just gonna gonna follow his instincts on this one and and you know it, it, she was right yeah, she's very self-serious in that scene that uh, mm-hmm. I'm not inclined to trust my own judgment. Yes! <laughs> Keva, did you find that Skinner was absolutely hot in the first of Tunguska? <laughs> the shirt off bit? Well, I, yes, I, yes, yes, yes. Soft spot for the skin man, we'll just we'll put it that way. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm so glad that they addressed uh, his new apartment because when we saw him in uh, Avatar, he's just moved into that ground floor um, duplex or something. Mm-hmm. And then you know suddenly he's in this high-rise apartment with a balcony and all this stuff. And so I'm so glad that when he's on the street then with CSM after that, he's like, yeah, I just moved into this neighborhood. So, okay, you must have had like a six-month rent at the last place or something. <laughs> and... Right, the uh, divorce settlement finally comes through, and so now he's... Uh, yeah. So I guess, he, yeah, there's no Sharon, so I guess he is divorced at this point. Yeah, it must be. I mean, I think they never really... I, I think we sort of talked about that with Avatar. Yeah. It sounded like they were going to reconcile, but this was pretty clearly a bachelor pad unless... You know, Sharon managed to sleep through this, you know, random dude being brought into the house and beaten up and left on the balcony. And then another random dude showing up. If there's anybody out there that wasn't um, distracted by his hairy chest, did he have a ring on or not? Let us know. (laughs) Well, okay, so then you just gave me an excuse to go back and watch that scene again. Check. Thanks. Give me a second. (laughs) And I, I think you could also refer to these two as the episode where Krychek just gets the crap kicked out of him at, at regular intervals. I mean, he, <laughs> he does it well. Yeah, you can't help but sympathize with Krychek by the end of these episodes. And I think these yeah, these two episodes are why he is one of my favorite characters of all time. Yes. He's just somebody you kind of love to hate. You know, and I, I admit I totally enjoyed seeing him kind of get his at the end. You know, between, I mean, he's just, you know 
getting beat up from one scene to the next to the next. I mean, everybody's taking a crack at him. I mean, I think the only person who didn't hit him was Scully. Um, and, and then, you know, losing his arm at the end. I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, neener, neener, dude. <laughs> you know, but you just you never really know where his loyalties lie, ever. You know, and that, I think, is the, the thing that makes him so fascinating. It's just kind of stumbling true and, like, I don't know. It's like a mercenary that switches sides. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what's interesting about these two episodes is because there is that reading that you can make that, you know, his parents were Cold War immigrants. They came to the U.S. Uh, back in the 50s or whatever it was. And now he's, you know, working with the Russians. You know, the next time that we see him is in the red and the black or the or Patient X, rather. He's been working with the Russians with their version of the syndicate. And previous to this, he's been selling the secrets off the MJ files and all of that sort of stuff. So I wonder, is he, has he been working for Cigarette Smoking Man previously as a double agent? He's actually been a Russian agent this whole time. And now he's got this opportunity to go back to Russia and he's continuing his work on that side. What are your thoughts on that? I guess wasn't in some he ways stuck that- down the hole? He was, wasn't he? Last time we saw him, he was down in the bottom of the silo, which is, yeah. which they explain how he got out is because those guys that were making the bombs at the beginning, they went to the missile silo to get whatever, you know, nuclear stuff or whatever from the silo. And that's how they found him and freed him. So that's why he's now working with them. Yeah, I, I sort of see Krychek as a, as a triple agent, I guess, almost in a way. I mean, he's he's working for, you know, if there even is such a thing, he's working for the CSM, he's working for the Russians, and he's working for himself, you know, and whatever, I think whatever side is going to give him the best deal, as it were, the best ability to, to kind of save his own behind is is the one he's going to take. And, and I, I do whoever, sort of find that fascinating that he doesn't really seem to have any loyalties anywhere other than, you know, to himself. Basically, he's trying to be there with whoever crosses the finish line first. Like. Yes, yeah. And I do like that they brought back the, you know, it's it's the return of the Cold War, but instead of, you know, the space race and, and nuclear arms, it's a very different kind of space race. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, who, who's going who's to, you know stave off the aliens first. I mean, you sort of think that might be something we'd want to work together on since we're all living on the same planet, but, you know, politics. Yeah, evidently <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, Crycheck, you know, these are two huge major Crycheck episodes. Nicholas Lee just knocks it out of the park. Um, one of my uh, kids, his middle name is actually Nicholas, and it's after Nicholas Lee. It's awesome. My wife, my wife doesn't realize that, but... <laughs> He's just a, such a major part of the show, and these two episodes in particular, I think he's awesome in. Um, so let, let's everyone give him a hand. <laughs> but um, also, this episode is quite interesting because we get to see a bit more of a personal life of um, the well manicured man, yes. who is evidently having an affair with uh, Doctor Benito Cancer. And quite interesting that we're starting to see a little bit behind the facade of all of these people because we had the musings of the cigarette smoking man right before this two-parter. And obviously a lot of that is ambiguous at best as to how much is true, how much is fictional. Um, but we definitely get a, a little uh, glimpse behind the curtain of the well-manicured man on these ones. Of the syndicate, I think he's definitely my favorite because he, he seems to <laughs> at least have a heart, I think. You know, you don't yes, always understand yes, his, yeah. his motives, but but yeah, more so than the CSM, I would think. Yes. He is my favorite. <laughs> it's such a, such a shame that he died in the movie. 
I know. Yeah. <laughs> they should have kept him around a little bit longer because he was he was the only legitimate foil to CSN. You know, he was the yeah. only one that no. could you know just take him down with like a look or a single line. You know. And you have to hand it to John Neville; his voice alone brought a lot to the character. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Sort of interesting, I, I think, in a way too that. I remember the, the the CSM sort of chastising the the you know the well manicured man for his his relationship with the doctor. Yes. Um, the cigarette smoking man is kind of chastising the the well manicured man about this relationship with this woman, um, and and yet you know old Smokey sort of got himself in, into trouble in that aspect too with his relationship with with Tina Mulder and um, sort of a, a pot kettle kind of situation yes. there. It's, yeah, a lot of parallels. Right, and a lot of you know dastardly deeds done by by both these guys, and and I think it's it's love that kind of gets in the way sometimes, and and I like that they, you know, there is that little bit of a human element to them, you know, and that there is some motivation there as far as you know family or relationships, and you know they're not just out to to save their own skins. So I mean, this is also one of the you know the first episode that has really taken the show global i know we we went down to south america in uh, little green men but i mean this is we're going all the way across to russia now at this point and Mulder is getting stuck in the work camp in the gulag uh, it, it really makes the whole conspiracy a much much more global thing yeah. because you know previously okay we have been in hong kong previously as well mm-hmm. but this is the first one where you see that there's other people sort of working along similar sort of lines but separately to what the American syndicate is doing. It's also taking the myth larger than you might have expected it in the past because I think historically throughout the show it's been more about the alien abduction phenomenon which pretty much has its roots in American culture with the Roswell incident and so forth. But then expanding that and going even further back in time to the Tunguska Rock, the meteor crashing down, you know, it really does put everything on a much, much bigger uh, canvas than it had been previously. And, you know, it, it's all leading up to the movie when we you know, start off with the cavemen encountering the alien. I, I, I don't know. I guess, like, um, maybe I'm in a slightly different position here because, like, I've followed the UFO paranormal stuff, like, since I can remember, right? So the story of Tunguska, to me, was always a well-familiar one. So I guess seeing it pop up, didn't really surprise me. At that point there, I found that the story was just really hitting its stride in a lot of ways it was hitting the right points, right? I never thought it as much as a surprise, but more or less as a, yeah, now they're getting it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think in the, in the point you made too about the, you know, I did like to see that, you know, it wasn't just, you know, like you said, it wasn't just our syndicate. You know, so the American syndicate that was, um, I say our as an American, <laughs> it wasn't just that particular, you know, branch of things that was working on something. It was, you know, truly like a global effort. But it does sort of make you wonder how they managed to keep that a secret. Like if the Russians are working on it and then, you know, the Americans are working on it and, you, you know, it's like, so who else is involved and how many players? And it's, um, it is sort of fascinating to, um, to think about that the battle between the the two groups. And I think if I remember correctly, the idea for these episodes came from that, um, the NASA announcement that was kind of around the same time. Um, no, that they the found... uh, meteorite. Meteorite right. that they found in Antarctica from Mars. Right. Yeah, that there was, um, you know, evidence of, of primitive life on Mars like billions and billions of years ago. Four, 
four billion, I believe, is what they said it was. But who's counting? (laughs) (laughs) What's a billion between friends, you know? It's quite interesting that, you know, throughout the show so far, everything has been quite high-tech in terms of the mythology and things that are going on. We've had uh, scientists who've been trying to create an alien-human hybrid. We've had, you know, in um, the Erlenmeyer flask, Scully had to go into the into that um, military base and they were the frozen embryos and so forth. We're over in Russia now and everything is low-tech as you like. Uh, they've got people just digging in the rocks. They've got you know, prisoners doing their work for them. And then their version of experiments is just strapping people down on the table, rolling chicken wire over them and just throwing stuff on their faces. And it's quite interesting. You have that very sharp sort of contrast between the high-tech US and the um, more sort of backwards Russia, I guess. It is a, an interesting uh, way that they've decided to take it. But even more interesting than that is the first scene, or one of the first scenes in Terma, uh, where it opens up on the uh, nursing home, and they have somebody who's being euthanized, and she dies, but as she dies, all these black worms come out, and you realize that they've been experimenting on her, they've been experimenting on all of the residents of this old home, and even though they're portraying the US and Russia as fundamentally different in these two episodes, it's quite interesting that there's a lot of similarities there as well. In the in Russia, they're doing these ex- these experiments on unwilling prisoners, but in the US, they're doing it on, you know, just old folks in a nursing home and, you know, they're sort of doing the same bad things but they're hiding them in different ways. It, that actually reminds me of um, a picture I seen on Facebook a few weeks back. They said they should actually move the old people into the prisons and the prisoners into the nursing homes because, believe it or not, it seems like the prisoners are being treated more fairly in like in better <laughs> environments. That's what they've been saying, right? Wow. So I guess it's interchangeable, and I guess the ideology behind it is still the same. You're taking a weak portion of the population that can't speak out for themselves, and you're using them. You're abusing them. Yeah, both uh, both shady operations, just kind of uh, you know, slightly different tactics, and then that one is sort of hidden in in plain sight in a way. Um, and it, it does sort of make me wonder then. You know how they how they managed to uh, in, infect the old people in Florida too, and what were they you know what were they telling them, and what was the 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 pretense of it? Kind of like the uh, um, later we see in uh, the experiments that they were doing on the uh, old people in um, A Christmas Carol and Emily, um, just telling the the old ladies they were putting them out for their beauty sleep. So I wonder if they were uh, doing something similar in Florida, but you know it was also Florida where they were experimenting on old people, which I mean. <laughs> So, <laughs> if you want a surplus of old people, right? <laughs> a surplus of old people in a in a, a regularity of kind of strange things happening that you know people just sort of shrug off because it's Florida. So you know, I mean, old people with black oil falling out of their faces, it's like, eh, yeah. Florida. All the nuts roll down to Florida. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it um, harkens back to I think I think it's sort of a previous episode where they discuss about experiments just done on the American populace in general, where kids were sprayed with... Didn't they show, like, a photo or something from, like, the 40s where tanks would go through neighborhoods or trucks would go and they would just spray the neighborhoods with this stuff and they would encourage children to run out 
into the smoke that was being sprayed and then they realized it caused all sorts of bad stuff yeah 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 is that uh oh it escapes me but i want to say that that was done with ddt yes i think that that's it and um <clears throat> maybe is it blood or something like that it's around that sort of timeline in yes. the show where they talk about it yep and it's yep. interesting if you've seen um the movie the tree of life uh terence malick film they uh, there's actually a scene in that where they're going through and they're doing that stuff in a texas neighborhood back in the 40s or something and all the kids are coming out and they're running through it in the streets i have not seen that one it's kind of a weird <laughs> <laughs> but it is pretty good okay and uh, we didn't talk about in tunguska uh, that this is the first episode really where marita Kovarubias plays a pivotal role she's kind of popped up once maybe twice so far um but this is the one where she's obviously clearly aligning herself with Mulder and she says that there's some of us out there who believe in your um, pursuit of the truth and so it's because of her that they're able to get the diplomatic papers to get into Russia and presumably she got them for a good rate as well because normally those sort of tickets would cost an arm and a leg <laughs> not just an arm <laughs> So what do you what do you guys think of uh, of Marita as an as an informant? Oh, I think she's great cuz you just, you know, she's another one that you're not quite entirely certain where her her loyalties lie. Um and I did sort of wonder because the whole thing did sort of seem like Mulder was being set up that Krychek was just leading him around by his his nose again, and I did kind of wonder, well, you know, she is, did is kind her, of, it's like she, it's like she came out of nowhere and you were kind of left wondering like what's her deal? Right, is she really the first bit. really trying to help him, or was she helping Krychek to get Mulder locked up, you know? I don't really know. Did anybody pick up on, I don't know, there was like an undertone to the scene, you know, where Mulder's just waiting into her apartment? Yeah, I mean, I did think there was a hint of that, just because it's, you know, it's 3am and there's Marita in her bathroom, but... You know? <laughs> he about, so. An undertone to that scene that just makes me wonder... Yeah, she's kind of like, what are you doing here, first of all? And then, like, 30 seconds later, she's just standing there with her robe open or whatever. <laughs> and she says, well, I can get you tickets. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cost an arm and a leg and something else, but maybe I shouldn't go there. <laughs> okay, so um, from Marita Kovarubias, uh, let's talk about somebody else with an awesome name who pops up in Terma and basically is like the the cleanup man he's basically like uh the wolf in pulp fiction he goes in he cleans up the messes uh mr vasily peskov who has an awesome name an awesome voice and yes. he just goes around and causes a lot of problems for the american syndicate but uh you know he's tidying up for his uh russian comrades and see this is okay this is circling back now to what me earlier on saying about how maybe Krychek was actually working for the Russians all along as a double agent before we even met him in Dwayne Barry because what, there's that bit in the prison where he talks to the guard and says I want to see your supervisor and the translation of it or something is like well how do you know he wants to see you you know what if he doesn't and Krychek says something like oh no he'll want to see me don't worry so Presumably, you know, it's not it's not just that he's, or maybe he's not just um, giving out, giving away the secrets that he's obtained, 
maybe he does already have some sort of ranking within the Russian syndicate and he has been a double agent this whole time, possibly. Um, certainly by the end of it, you know, when Vasily Paskov walks into his apartment and sees Krychek there dipping his tea bag with his prosthetic arm, he calls him Comrade Krychek straight away. So he recognizes him. That's what makes me think that maybe he did have some sort of in with them previously. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good a good thought. I mean, and two, because you also see him interacting with the the creepy doctor, mad scientist guy at the um, at the prison too. I think he actually gives the guy a hug when they're out in the yard and the, you know, yes. the kind of indicating to Mulder like, "See, told you so." Um, yeah, so they clearly are aware of of who he is and and you know what he's up to. Um, and and it, it sort of would indicate too at the end there that Krychek was the one who was actually telling him to go clean everything up. So at least that was kind of the way I interpreted it. Yeah, because I think that Krychek is freed from the cell by the end of Tunguska, isn't he? Because mm-hmm. he doesn't get stuck under the chicken wire. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. All the pieces are coming together after like the 20th time you watch something. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I sort of love about it too is that you know, there is so much to those mythology episodes. You can watch them again and again and always pick up something, you know, maybe slightly different that you'd missed, you know, the first couple of couple of viewings, so. <laughs> the first ten times. <laughs> right. <laughs> sort of lost track at this point. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a good two-parter one. I'm just kind of looking back through the, just some of the little notes that I was taking as I, as I was watching this morning. And there's a lot of caps lock. (laughs) (laughs) Crycheck, hello, you know, and it's just like, yeah, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of detail and a lot of really, you know, interesting points that you want to double check. But like the other thing that kept coming to mind is, you know, so that, that hearing that Scully was testifying at, did that show up on C-SPAN? I really kind of hope it did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's quite nice that they have that, because, you know, we go back to that sort, same sort of setup with um, Gethsemane and Redux, and it's kind of really overdone in that three-parter where they're all testifying about Mulder's apparent suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one, it, you know, it, you have the Jeopardy sort of sense there, the, the political status of it all, and she obviously gets put in contempt of Congress, but it, it's not, it doesn't take up like half the episode. Yeah. <laughs> It was and it was nice to see them actually sort of, you know, I mean, they talk about you know government conspiracies, and here we're actually you know okay, so they're presenting some of this evidence to the actual government for once, um, and and their reaction I, I think was just so typical of politicians, and you see it today too. The uh, you know oh what is this science you're presenting to me? I don't want to hear this, you know, and, and just dismissing <laughs> things completely off. You know, uh, it's getting worse. Now they're going in the opposite direction. I mean, now they're denying stuff that's actual actual fact. Yeah. So yeah, if they can deny that, they can deny anything. Yeah, it was. I mean, it it just sort of made me laugh, you know, without getting too political. But it it, it just the just kind of the, the hints of that there, and uh, I know Chris has talked about. Um, you know, you know how the Watergate era sort of and distrust of politicians had kind of shaped his is, you know, look at, at at government. And I'm curious to see, you know, you get hints of that here, you know, and, and this was an episode that he wrote. And I, I'm curious to see if that, you know, how much of that's going to come back in the in the new episodes in a little bit here. But yeah, I think yeah. there's going to be quite a lot because, you know, I'm, the whole era that this show was in was that era of government mistrust and 
you know the show ended right after 9-11 where there was you know a whole swell of support of the government and not any questioning of what the government was doing and now you know finally people are sort of getting back to that idea of mistrust for various reasons Speaking of caps lock, one of the uh, the first things I wrote was Dana Catherine Scully will kick your ass because right from the beginning she just she's absolutely making no bones about you know she doesn't care that these congressmen you know she's yeah. been in front of the government and you know they're trying to to get her to to play by you know their rules and she's like no I'm going to read this statement and I'm going to finish it and I just just doesn't back down and that guy has an awesome voice though yep <laughs> are you or are you not aware. <laughs> the presence of Agent Mulder. Right. You know, do you and, or do you not know <laughs> where he is? <laughs> I do, and I'm not going to tell you. What you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah, all this, all this science and all this groundbreaking evidence that we have to show you about, you know, where is Agent Mulder? And that's, you know, that's the thing they keep coming back to. They don't want to hear about the rest of it, which it is, you know, Scully points out. So why, you know, why are they not, you know, why is that the question they're hung up on? You know, why is it Mulder? But we've had a couple people murdered and, you know, diplomatic things gone missing. But no, where is Agent Mulder? <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe it's not even because of Mulder. Maybe it's because they know that he has Krychek with him and maybe CSM is suspecting that he is working with the Russians or is trying to get back to the Russian side of thing. I don't know. This is <laughs> yeah. another layer of stuff, but obviously CSM is standing there at the back of the hall where they're doing this interrogation of here, of Scully. Yeah. And meets with the, the congressman later and chucks all the, all the files as they're, as they're reading them. So one thing I did want to touch on is, um, yeah, it's, it's always interesting when they switch out the, I want to believe tagline for something different and it's generally with the mythology episodes mm-hmm. in terma it was switched out for an italian phrase which translate which translates to but it does move and um that is actually in reference to a quote from galileo when he was brought before the church uh, and they forced him to admit that his theory that the earth revolved around the sun was incorrect and apparently under his breath, he, you know, he, had, he admitted whatever they wanted him to admit, that presumably the Earth was the center of the universe. Uh, but under his breath, he uttered the words, but it does move in Italian. Um, I think that probably speaks a lot to the theme of these two episodes. You know, it it's kind of references the whole idea that you were saying when Scully is brought in front of the congressman or the, or the, um, the senators, how she's got all this science she has all this evidence that she's trying to give them she's you know she is there and she is willing to explain the truth give them the truth but they don't want to hear that they're just hung up on where is agent Mulder. yeah any other thoughts on either of these episodes i mean i i don't really know what else to say i mean they're both so good such good episodes i like that you have now you know the added depth um with the whole Russian side of stuff that's going on, that's something that we do revisit. You have, you know, you're building on the the idea of what this black oil is, um, that you know that it they can think that it, you know, is more than just it infects somebody that's trying to get to to the UFO, which is what the last two parter um, that, that it was in was was all about. Um, it's a lot more sinister than that, and there's people who are actually trying to find a cure for it. We don't know fully what it is yet, um, but it builds on that. And 
we can't we can't leave this podcast without talking about what on earth happened to the uh, guy at the airport who smashed the bottle all over <laughs> right and that's the like you know when somebody tells you they're carrying biohazardous material you think you might maybe just be a little more careful with it you know just what's this crash further evidence that the tsa is one of the stupidest organizations in existence <laughs> Somebody tells you something is biohazardous. Okay, I'm just gonna throw it and see if it buzzes. <laughs> no. Well, I think was that pre TSA? Because I think the TSA was a post 9/11 thing. But yeah, I was you know the customs official, and that's I mean that's that's I, split hairs. I, I, I think. I but... can't, yeah, I can't answer that. I assumed that TSA was always about they were just given just stupid amounts of power afterwards. But I could be wrong. But I did sort of enjoy that. I mean, even though they were dumb with the evidence, they were just like, they didn't care about this guy. He's like, I got a plane to catch. I have diplomatic papers. They're like, go through the doors. Like, they just didn't care, which I, I found kind of amusing. But yeah, once, once you know, somebody's carrying a biohazard, I yeah, I think I would take a little more care. But yeah, so how did, it does make you wonder, how did they clean that mess up? You know, they just have the, you know, the syndicate just sort of dispatch somebody out there and, and, and clean it up or well, what? It would be like fight the future. Just burn them. Well, yeah. they'll just come on site, clean up the site, and make it look like a biohazard waste situation. They'll take everything out of there and you won't see anything else. Right. Could be. All right. I think that we have covered these two episodes. Uh, let's go on to the quiz portion then. All righty. And it is always hard coming up with five questions when we just talk about two episodes. So. <laughs> see, I thought maybe you were going to save the tagline for, a, for a, a quiz question this time. So I purposely didn't bring it up. But, okay, so now I'm really curious what you've got up your sleeve. So question one, complete Krychek's line. This is just one bomb I'm sitting on here. What does he say next? Something about And Holly, you can jump in. We're just doing five episodes, so it's <laughs> it's a free for all. Uh, I'm not jumping in, I'm not jumping in. <laughs> Does he say something about two thousand others out there? Not specific no, not a specific thing, but it's something along those sort of lines. We just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he says, He says, this is just one bomb I'm sitting on here. You didn't ask me how many more I know about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also in that scene, we also have the wonderful justice. You can't bring these men to justice. And the truth, the truth. There is no truth. These people will make yeah. it up as they go along. And then Mulder just punches him and that's the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question two. What was the name of the NASA scientist who became infected with the black oil? Oh, that's uh, Dr. Slack. Dr. Sack? Dr. Sachs. Sachs, okay. Yeah. What is the name of the town near Tunguska where the Gulag work camp is located? Oh, man. And you haven't got to pronounce it correctly because I couldn't. <laughs> Starts with an M? Starts with a K. Yeah, I'm totally uh <laughs> Chris Brinkistan. <laughs> well, that, that actually sounds like a country. <laughs> um oh shoot, um 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Krasnoyak, something okay. like that. It's something that um, Rudikov Rubius is the one who actually says it. I'm not sure if it comes up then in the log lines at the bottom of the screen later yeah. on or not, or if it just says Siberian forest. I'm yeah. not sure. Okay. Where is Mulder hiding when the man whose truck he stole finds him? That one I do know. <laughs> Under a pile of leaves. Yep. Correct. <laughs> okay, question five for this week. What is the excuse that Vasily Paskov uses when transporting fertilizer into Canada? Oh, man. I just watched this episode this morning. How is this, like, evading me? And it, it stands, I always thought that this line really stood out because you have this Russian guy who's trying to put on a Canadian accent. <laughs> um, he's saying he lost his passport. No, I have no idea. I'm, I'm on the wrong side of Canada to answer this. <laughs> <laughs> he, okay, he has the, the truck that he's driving from Terma and it's loaded up with all this fertilizer, which is going to be the bomb that sets off the oil rig to lose the rock. But when he gets stopped at customs, they're asking him what the fertilizer's for. Which province is he going into? Alberta or BC? <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. I'm terrified. Yeah, what's about North Dakota? <laughs> Not just natural wheat or potatoes. What a canola, canola oil. <laughs> no. He actually says, it's for my hothouse tomatoes. That's right! <laughs> oh, man. These were hard ones this week. As I say, with five questions out of two episodes, it is tough. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Um, next week's podcast, we are going to do, I think it's like seven episodes, which is huge. Uh, we're going to do Paper Hearts all the way through to Unrequited, so a big chunk of season four right there. Um, listeners, if you want to connect with us, we want to hear from you. Uh, give us some questions uh, that we can talk about at the start of each show. You know, it hasn't got to be related to episodes we're talking about, just general questions that you have about the show, You know, whether it's asking us for favorites or something that you don't understand anything at all uh, go to xfiles talkxfiles.com uh, you can connect with me there uh, via facebook and twitter i'm actually david t howard on both of those whilst you're at that website please click on the amazon link it's an affiliate link which will take you through to amazon if you're going to be buying anything uh, anyway uh, use that link please um, it won't cost you any extra at all but a little bit of the money you spend will come back to help support this podcast also, please go to iTunes and leave us a review so that when people are searching for X-Files podcasts, this one comes up. The more reviews we have, the higher we go in the rankings. And please tell uh, other files about us on Facebook, Twitter, and so on. Uh, Kayfair, Holly, uh, do you want to give out any social media or any way that people can connect with you guys? Sure. Um, this is Kava. You can find me um, at Synergy3K on Twitter. Uh, love to chat, so find me there. And you could find me at Lone Gun Gal. Straight into the point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Well, that is it for this week's show. Thank you both very much uh, for coming along and doing this with me today. Yeah, thanks for mm -hmm. having us. This was fun. <laughs> and I'm going to attempt to sign off in a Russian phrase. Spasiba, shkosho dosole. 
holes in flying saucers and ETs In government conspiracies But I've seen none of the above If I did, I think I probably would run a million miles Lose my little mind Spasiba shosh dole Supposed oh, to be thank you for listening in Russian, so... My hot house tomatoes. My hot tomatoes. My Russian accent is almost as good as Sean Connery. <laughs> I've never been this far from Russia before. Yes, yes. I'm growing them for my hot house tomatoes. Yes, yes. <laughs> so funny. <laughs>